Welcome again to our fourth session with David Watson, our holiday series from David's training with us in 2016. And in this session, we'll be looking at identifying a person of peace. David gives us characteristics to keep in mind when identifying persons of peace. And we hear the story of a person of peace before David explains the difference between group evangelism and personal or mass evangelism. Now, groups are really vital when it comes to movement. And uh, even though we see groups start and stop, the, the idea of transitioning from individual evangelism to group discipleship is one of the most crucial concepts that we can see in movements. The person of peace is key to seeing group evangelism. And uh, this includes the most important thing of how we pray and we identify people of peace. He also discusses how we uh, discover people of peace by being conspicuously spiritual when connecting. So enjoy this podcast. I'm sure that you're going to be challenged and encouraged and refreshed, renewed in your vision to find people of peace. In movement, I'm going to establish rapidly multiplying and growing churches. And they're going to be the ones to reach that guy, not me. I'm looking for the right type of people to start movement with. They're going to be early adopters. They're going to be spiritually minded and spiritually hearted. They're going to be able to take the gospel into multiple kinds of groups. There's lots of things that fall in around what a movement leader looks like. And if you you only uh, think in terms of, I've got to win people to Christ, uh, that, that puts you back in that linear thinking process. I'm not looking for a person to win to Christ when I go into a new community. I'm looking for the person that's going to open that community up to movement. And, and that's, that's what I want to see happen, is this opening up to movement. And, and there's profiles for that. Go into the New Testament and, and just read the New Testament and mark every time the gospel moves into a new place. So like the, uh, the centurion or even the, the Philippian jailer or Lydia or the woman at the well or you just look at the profile of all these different people and, and you, what you're going to find is none, none of them are the same. But they all did the same thing. They took the message of Jesus and took it, up, took it further than Jesus took it. Or took the message that Paul was given or, or Peter was given and took it further than, than they could have taken it. And that's who we're looking for. We're looking for people who will take the message further. Listen, the messenger matters. I am the wrong messenger in, in, in 90% of the world. I'm going to be met with suspicion. You're an American. You're white. Certainly there's going to be a lot of things wrong with you because of those two things. You're fat. That's another. That's another thing against you. I mean, people filter you, the messenger. Well, when you the person of peace is that person that gets past the filter, takes the message and turns around, and they become the messenger. And they're the they're the acceptable insider. So I, I tell you, I, people ask me, well, who do you look for? I look for that person who can lie, and people still believe them. 
Because listen, here's the story. God became man. He was born a bastard child of a virgin inside a Jewish nation in a, in a barn. And he grew up and, and he, he talked to a few people and then he was nailed on the cross. They threw him in the grave. He came back to life. Oh yeah, and the, that birth was virgin. You think I'm dumb? You think I'm going to believe that stuff? And, and so someone they already suspect and you tell the, that story, they're going to say, you're completely loony. Just, just go on. But when that person that they trust and know says the same story, they go, I'm not so sure about this, but I know that person and they haven't led me wrong before. And maybe I can listen to them. See, we, we feel like that our call gives us access to everything, and it probably doesn't. The messenger matters, and part of this part of movement is finding the right messengers. The number one first new believer in our work, we, we track by profession. Who would you say would be the number one first believer, believer in our work? Got a guess? It's religious leaders. The, pa- the priest, the imam, the pastor, the priest. Just, those are the number one first believers. And the interesting thing is they already have a large following that trusts them. That's the reason we see entire mosques come to Christ. Or entire, we, have, we have one guy, <laughs> one imam, but I, I can't tell the whole story. It takes too long. But he was so highly respected by other imams, he brought more than 200 imams and their mosque into Christianity over a three-year period. And he, he spent 17 years in seminary in Saudi Arabia. I mean, this guy is... And, and when, he, when, he read, when he read the... He, by the way, he confiscated a Bible... From one of the guys in the in the community, he thought, "I need to understand what my enemy thinks." He read the Bible, cover to cover, and then said, "I got to do that again." Read cover to cover again, <laughs> fell on his face face and gave, gave his life to Christ. Showed up at our work compound in full imam, you know, high level imam regalia. Says. And here's what the first words out of his mouth. He says, I'm here to be baptized. And you go, and what tree do you think I fell out of? <laughs> and it took him six weeks to convince me that he really was not trying to get me thrown in jail. And, and then when the six weeks are up and we baptize him, he, he says, bye. I, says, he said, I said, where are you going? He says, there's a lot of Muslims here who need to hear this story. I'm headed out to talk to all the imams, and that's what he did. Now, there's more to the story. There's a lot more to the story, but I just don't have time to tell it today. Yeah, this microphone. Yeah, go It's a big paradigm shift of that expression again yesterday when you said um, the evangelism things, no personal evangelism so the masses will hear, no mass evangelism so the masses will hear. 
Um, I thought that's how we make disciples, God evangelizing, and here you're saying no evangelism, I'm confused. No, that isn't what I said. I said no personal evangelism and no mass evangelism. Those are techniques. Those are styles of evangelism. That's evangelism with a, with a, with a modifier in front of it. Personal evangelism and mass evangelism. So there are two extremes. In the middle, we talk about small group evangelism. And the method you're learning here is a small group tool that replicates and has high retention rate and high reproducibility. Personal evangelism, they don't replicate very well. And not only that, you have to go through several hundred people before you find one who will receive Christ. Through finding the person of peace and changing the face of the message, we become much more effective. But you do need to understand, eight out of ten groups you start will fail. If you thought every group was going to make this work, uh, you need to get out of your dream world and come to reality. Eight out of ten groups that you start will fail. And that's in an open culture. In a closed culture, it's more like one out of 20 will succeed. So 19 out of 20 will fail. So again, I'm telling you, we're not. this is not a magic bullet. It's not something that's going to work every time, every place, but you just have to keep working it with the understanding and the belief that Jesus worked with groups almost exclusively. And there were special circumstances when he focused on individuals. And it works. It works and replicates. Individual disciples, individual evangelism models don't replicate. Mass evangelism is another issue altogether. Mass evangelism does two things. It inoculates the population against Christianity. They, it just raises the hate level for Christians to a new high when you come in and you preach revival type sermons or evangelistic type sermons to 15, 20,000 people or even five or 600 people. Uh, and, and regardless of how many hands get raised or how many people pray the prayer, come back a year later, you don't find them. They're just not there. Even the organizations that say we start churches through mass evangelism, they're not seeing that many churches started. They're struggling and, and have struggled all these years. And even Billy Graham, when he says in his last autobiography, he said, you know, uh, this evangelism thing, this mass evangelism thing doesn't work. He said, no churches were changed by what we did. Their membership didn't increase. Their, and that doesn't mean some people didn't come to Christ. Don't hear that. People come to Christ, but it doesn't lead to movement. Remember, everything I say is from the movement movement perspective. And even if you have 20,000 people in auditorium or 100,000 people in auditorium, and even if 2% of them come to Christ, let's say 2,000 of them come to Christ, we don't see any change in the regions where that happened after two or three years. So that's what we're trying to talk about. We, we have to have this ongoing disciple-making process. Otherwise, everything is single-generational, and it's weak. And I've been on the follow-up team for Billy Graham Crusades. You know how much follow-up actually gets done? Close to zero. 
the church and we're all excited about Billy Graham Company and we would work with them and help them to develop their follow-up and chase after them for a year and just see very, very little follow-up on a percentage basis compared to the numbers that we were giving to them. So I know some of you have, your life is in evangelism. Your life is in mass evangelism, personal evangelism. I understand that. But I, I want to keep bringing the modifier back that I've given you. If you want to see movement, these two things are good, but they're not great. Uh, we're going to play a little game. Okay. Uh, who would like to volunteer to be the first person in the game? Okay. Somebody take, somebody take him to a place that he can't hear anything in this room. But before you go, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're a church planter coming into a new area, and you have to find the person of peace. And you're going to have 25 minutes to do it when you get back. At most. If you find him, let me know, and we'll go from there. So somebody take him to where he cannot hear anything we say in this room. And I'll turn the microphone off so we can, so he can't hear. Take him upstairs. There's an extrovert in every room. I mean that hyper extrovert. And I say, oh, God, please. <laughs> you know, it's just, those guys suck the life out of me. <laughs> you got to understand, if, if extreme extrovert is here, I'm on that wall over there as an introvert. So uh, here's the deal. You studied through the, the person of peace. You got an idea. Person of peace will receive you. They will listen to you. They will engage with your spiritual conversation. I want two people, one man and one woman, to, to be, if he comes and talks to you, you begin to listen to him attentively. You engage him. If he makes spiritual statements, you respond to those spiritual statements. If he doesn't make spiritual statements, you don't bring spirituality up. It's up to him to, to, to say the spiritual words that you respond to. So I need one woman and one man to do that. Who'll be the woman for me? All right. And who's the guy? Thank you. Uh, now, I need, I need a couple of other people in the room, though. I want you to be so extroverted as he is that he can't get past the front door. Okay? I mean, I want you to engage him. And, I mean, whatever his interests are, you engage him. There's one. I need, I need one more. And back there. Okay, good. Thank you. So when he comes in, he's a magnet to you guys. And you, your guys' job is to keep him from finding the other two. Okay? Just keep him talking, and we'll keep it. So let him come in, and the rest of you just punk, have a good time. Enjoy your conversation, and uh, laugh, and cut up. And, and some of you, if he approaches you, I want you to be angry and frustrated. You don't want him here. I mean, and so some of you be mean. It's okay for you to be mean. Okay? I, don't, I don't know if Aussies can be mean, but just think of it as ribbing, and you should be able to do it. Okay. 
Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been getting some ribs. I said, they're, they're not ribbing. They're hitting me with, with, a, with a, a cricket bat, you know. I said, That's tough ribbing. So uh, I want some of you, just, you know, not all of you, just a few of you in the room, just if he approaches you, I want you to be nasty to him. Okay? Just like some people have probably been nasty to you. There's a hand. That's a nasty guy. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, just ignore it. Just let him say it. You just go, oh, okay, and go on to the next topic. So only the two that have said they will respond, uh, will respond. The rest of us, we're just going to ignore him or try to chat him up and keep him from fighting anybody else, okay? <laughs> All right, bring him back. Um, I, I actually honestly have no idea. I thought it was... I thought it might have been one of these two, <laughs> but I think I'm way off. It was either these two or this guy. You didn't get close. I'm not close at all. <laughs> well, the real persons of peace, please stand up. There are two of them. Oh, wow. Now, what did you learn from this then? What did we learn from this season? It's engaging in that spiritual conversation that lets you know because if they're not a person of peace they won't engage in spiritual conversation and that's the big test so that's the reason you have to continually engage because and what Satan does he puts fun people in your pocket you like a party you're a party animal I can already tell okay I want someone from this table of peace but I want you to know who the person of peace is so if someone they, that they make a spiritual question to you, you'd say, uh, I don't know anything about that, but I have a, I have a brother or cousin that knows that would like to talk about that. Uh, who would like to be the brother or cousin? Come on, somebody. Come on, right there. Eric, right there. Okay, you're not a brother or cousin, but we'll go with somebody. You're not a cousin. Okay. Uh, okay, let me, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. You're afraid. And the only reason you'll ever speak to this person is because he introduced the evangelist to you. Because you know that you're going to get in deep trouble by talking to strangers. So it takes him and the evangelist working together, even though he's not gonna he's not biting on the spiritual side, to open you up to speak spiritually. Does that make sense? Okay, let him in. spiritually sensitive people and, and you're coming with you, you say you know I really want to talk to some people about really spiritual deep spiritual matters they'll point them out they know who it is and you and you follow that that trail often it leads to a, a priest or an imam or a, a sheikh it, it can lead to a lot of different places that you don't realize one more scenario and then uh, we'll be finished with this part of the training but I thought you guys deserved a little, little laughter. Uh, what did you learn? What, well, let, let me go on. What are you learning from these? 
It's not easy. It's not easy. What else do you like? You get distracted easily. Persevere. You got to keep trying. What else? Sensitive. You got to listen carefully. You need a backbone. Huh? Friendly does not mean open. You got to move a lot. You can't just get stuck on one relationship. You got to keep. You got to keep moving and testing the relationships over and over again. That's right. You got to understand what they mean by spiritual. So see, there's a lot, and, and you're sitting here. You're actually functioning inside your own culture, having difficulty. Think what it'd be like in a cross-cultural setting. Just adds a whole dimension above it that's much more difficult to work with. This time there is no personal peace. Okay? There's, you can be interested, you can be hostile, but uh, when I when I kind of give a, a little shake of my head toward those of you, I want some of you to pick the guy up and carry him out and throw him out the hall. Yeah, this is a very, uh, of course, artificial uh, system. The point of the exercise, though, is to demonstrate that it's very difficult to go in and search and find persons of peace. And this is a small community. I mean, a, a, a small village may have 2,000 people in it. And to, to find the person of peace in a village, but think about a community inside a city where we don't, we don't measure by geography, we measure by relationships. And people can, like in the neighborhood I live in, I don't spend my life with the people I neighborhood, live in my neighborhood. My life is connected to people outside that neighborhood. I just happen to have my bedroom there. And we really, I mean, we, we attempt to know. We know a lot of the kids because they lose balls in our backyard and they have to come in and get them. But uh, it, it's interesting to live in a place where it's very difficult to meet people. Uh, I mean... You never see them. They drive into the garage and shut the door, and they they go in the house from inside. You never see them. And we're the same way, you know. We we drive into our garage and, and then into the house, and nobody sees us. So, but the the issue I want you to recognize is that finding the person priest may be the single largest matter of prayer you have. And if you're praying for protection, you're praying for spiritual discernment, you're praying for lots and lots of things. But don't forget, when you're prayer walking, you're asking God to identify the right community to work in. And other prayer warriors are coming in and praying about that the right person is met quickly. And then as you move around the community and you're giving off the spiritual vibes to everyone you're talking to, and just by your demeanor, by your thankfulness, you hear a bad word and say, how can I pray for you? Would you like for me to pray for you? And, and you stand out as a person that's different than everyone else, which is kind of the opposite of the way most of us were trying to blend in and kind of be inconspicuous. Yeah. We really want you to be conspicuous. But we want you to be conspicuously spiritual. Not just a strange person who sticks out like a, you know, like a sore thumb. We want you to be in. Now, often because we're strangers, we're going to stick out already. But when you're a stranger sticking out, mostly we're trying to fit back in. We're trying to hide behind whatever in order to make it work. 
But you, you take that. Being the stranger that sticks out is an opportunity for spiritual people to find you if they sense that you're wanting to have a spiritual conversation. And it's amazing how fast my wife and I, our home becomes the, the house of prayer. People start calling it the house of prayer because she and I pray for everyone. And women, women start coming to my wife to pray that they have children. And I don't know of a single prayer my wife's given for a child that hasn't resulted in a child. Uh, not one that I can think of over the years. And she keeps pretty good journal notes on that stuff. Um, it's important for us to recognize that everything we do is being determined by the spiritual world, not by the physical world. Everything. Movement is an act of God. Yes. Finding the spiritual person who's going to receive you, that person of peace, is an act of God also. There's nothing I can do to cause someone to go to heaven. All I can do is build the environment where they'll find God and listen to Him. And He'll point them to Christ and He'll point them to His salvation. So these, these issues that we play around with are to show us that even in a room where we know people and people get a little rowdy, and you are about the most rowdy group I've had. Uh, it's, uh, I said, I thought we were going to break out the rugby ball there for a minute. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the issues are spiritual issues. And it's important for us to constantly remember their spiritual issues.